The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number five of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders. Normally, I have a single guest on the show, but I'm recording with my entire Oil and Gas Global Network crew. hey <laughs> So we have Mark, Jake, and Patrick. And we're actually recording live from the Caterpillar Oil and Gas booth here at the Offshore Technology Conference. So the basis of the show is leadership. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so welcome, everybody. It's, um, if you don't know who I am, I'm Mark LaCour. I am co-host of Oil & Gas This Week, along with Jake. Hey, Jake. Uh, and also co-host of Oil & Gas HSD with Patrick. Patrick. hey Yeah. We have the top podcast in the oil and gas industry globally. We are number one and number two. Paige's show will soon come out at number three, and I think eventually, no, number one. eventually rise to number one. <laughs> yeah. Um, which sounds really impressive, um, but I think there's only five companies out there podcasting oil & Gas, so it's easy to be number one, two, and three. Paige's show is about leadership. Leadership, the, the fundamentals of leadership in oil and gas are changing under our feet right now. Um, and pages have a long history of doing some deep dive with some very senior people in our industry, very one-on-one -on -one to understand their stories, how did they get where they uh, are, lessons learned. But we thought in this, since we're doing this at OTC, we're actually talking to the audience about leadership. So one of the things that's changed in this downturn, this is the fourth downturn I've been through, is a lot of the old guys have left and they're not coming back, which means that knowledge transfer piece, which is how we've learned. I mean, when I started 20 years ago, um, some senior guy partnered with me, maybe not officially, but he kept me from making mistakes, right? Showed me the way things are done, taught me about the politics, taught me about the business. And unfortunately for a lot of our young people entering the industry right now, they're not going to have that because so much of the senior leadership has disappeared. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And so because of that, they're going to need help and they're going to need guidance. So one of the things that we want to put out there to our audience, when you think about what's going on in your world right now, when you think about leadership, what changes have you seen in leadership in oil and gas? See, my want to jump on a mic? My question? Come on, Jake. Come on, Patrick. Hey, Justin. Hey, we got a, a Justin from ATEC here. Um, what do you think? How is the... Uh, how has leadership changed in the industry over the last several years? Well, you touched on a, a very valid point. There's an awful lot of uh, companies, a lot of experience has been lost in this, uh, what's referred to as a great crew change. So uh, certainly from our perspective, it's, uh, it's that knowledge gap is what, uh, what we try to, what I'd like to see broached uh, from yeah. a safety perspective. Yeah, Justin, who do you work for? Companies ATEC Training and Certification. And what do you all do? We do um, a lot of complex or competence programs, uh, training courses for electrical hazardous area equipment, mm -hmm. do a lot with product certification and inspections and verification services. Yeah, and so y'all are seeing that same thing too, right? That, that gap in knowledge transfer, so the new engineers, new electrical engineers that are coming on board maybe don't understand everything. So maybe they try to re, uh, meet some specification that's written down, but then they leave other parts out. Or maybe they look for the low-cost leader not understanding that if you have a spark in an explosive environment, that $100 you saved didn't matter. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's from... Uh, product selection, understanding codes, and of course these things are ever evolving as well, so keeping on top of that is a, is a challenge for, for a lot of companies. So, uh, And you, he mentioned something here, the, the great crew change. 
which no one is talking about anymore. I mean, the downturn we had, the knowledge transfer, it's not happening, people are leaving, but nobody's talking about the great crew change anymore. Exactly, there's no, there's uh, the mentorship, but the opportunity for mentorship has suddenly declined. Yeah, and you know, the funny, so I officially and unofficially mentor a lot of young people in this industry. And the demand is there. The young people in our industry want to be mentored, as opposed to my generation is that we didn't want our managers to know we didn't know something, so we just would be quiet, right? These kids want to learn. And so it's interesting. So API Young Professionals, um, APIYP here in Houston have an official mentoring program. I actually was just written up in Rig Zone about mentoring, and there's a huge demand for that. It's one of the things that our leaders in this industry can do that not only helps themselves, but helps the industry as a whole, is if they will actually spend the time to set up an official mentoring program. Well, in fact, you mentor all, every single one of us in the network. That's actually, it's funny, but it's true. Every one of y'all have mentored in some form or fashion, and y'all still turn out okay. <laughs> so uh, where Jake, oh, Jake's over there talking to somebody else as usual. Yeah. Hey, Oscar. So you've done a whole bunch of work in Central and South America, right, with some very big service companies. What do you see going on as far as leadership challenges in Central and South America? The leadership in South America? Well, uh, South America is an ever-changing place. I mean, you, you quit going one year, you go the next year to the area, you find so many changes, people left, you know, new faces all over. You got new uh, laws in the countries. You got the chaos like in Venezuela. Then you got a new president in Argentina and you got a new president. So it is, it is very challenging. The leadership that I, you know, I'm, I'm the CEO of a small company. My vision is always to, to be very focused, intense in what's going on in, in each and every area and just make sure you're updated. So uh, what does your com company do? Uh, company, we, we represent U.S. manufacturers of pressure control equipment like Axon products, Henderson Riggs, and also Cortec. So by going directly to the manufacturer, uh, I save these guys a salesman, you know, because I mean, I can be their salesman, only they can pay me a salary, pay me a commission. Right. Uh, so we do some joint sales calls together in the areas, and we just you know, do this kind of uh, a promotion, you know, to, to the companies. Uh, I help them set up authorized repair facilities uh, in Argentina or in Colombia or in Mexico. And just, you know, uh, you, 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 I can set up really the channel of distribution uh, for these manufacturers. Yeah, so from, from your end, I would bet that a lot of the people that you do business with in Central America are worried about our leadership changes here in the U.S., because mm -hmm. it may affect the way they do business. It, it does, uh, really. And uh, you know that, uh, I mean, I'm originally from Mexico, and I always saw the U.S. like my granddad, you know, like, like the leader, you know. And he was, I mean, like many other Mexicans, my dream to come here. And I achieved that dream, I mean, many years ago. Uh, the only dream I have not achieved is to speak proper English. One day I will. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all right. You're in a good place. With your company, when y'all bring in young people, you know, these young people want to learn. How do y'all help them get up to speed? How do you help lead these young people that come into our industry? Everybody has a different technique for that, uh, Mark. I mean, I was professor of college uh, when I was in, in Mexico many years ago. I have a degree in geological engineering. So I was professor of mineralogy. And I think that's a good point. I mean, you know, because one of the things that we are obligated to, to do in our industry is to coach and mentor people. And I, I, I enjoy doing that. Face-to-face, -face, you know, day-to-day uh, -day coaching, you know, and mentoring. Yeah, that hands-on stuff is the best way to learn. Thank you, Oscar. My, My pleasure. Thank you. Hey, so Patrick, I actually want to kind of ask you. So you're, 
not quite that younger generation that's entering the market. But yeah, you also haven't been in the industry 20 years. What was it like for you when you first entered the industry? It was kind of sink or swim. I think I had a five-day orientation before I headed to the rigs, which at that time was in the Black Sea, working for Global Santa Fe. So it was... My education was very rig focused. I was going to go offshore. I was going to work somewhere remote. But on the job training, I mean, that was that was pretty great. You had five days of orientation, and you're kind of thrown to the wolves. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen if companies continue to operate that as we move forward? Well, and we talked about the great crew change. Now you're losing a lot of senior guys as mentors. So I think we're going to cycle right back to the way I came offshore. Now there's a lot of technology that's helping with that knowledge transfer, but if you don't have the senior guys still there to impart that knowledge into the system, you can't then send it down the chain to the new guys. So I hope that doesn't happen, but as we start ramping back up, you're gonna have to have rigs working, you're gonna have to have assets coming online, you need people, and we don't have a lot of experience right now. So one of the things I think is really cool is companies have recognized this. Their supply, their pipeline of future talent is constrained. And so everybody I know, I mean, everything from the super majors down to the large independents to the pipeline companies to the downstream companies are all trying to figure this thing out. They know that somewhere in the very near future, there's going to be more positions to fill than they have bodies to fill. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so there's been a bunch of different approaches. You know, I'm a member of SPE, and one of the things that we've done is reach, reach out to local high schools. So I now volunteer and teach in my local high school to help promote the oil and gas industry. And so it's that sort of thinking outside the box, or, or it could be the things that help us build this talent supply chain. The other thing, though, Patrick, and you're right, is the fact that there, there will be a technology component to it. I don't know what it is. Neither does anybody else. Everybody's looking at it, you know, things like cognitive and machine learning, you know, but at some point, we're going to have to figure this thing out. Where are our future leaders in this industry going to come from? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else, you know, when you think about future leaders in our industry, you think about the way things were done in the past, the way that you think things need to be done in the future? Right over here. Right, right down there. Hi. <laughs> Jim Watkins from World Oil. I get around and I get to talk to a lot of different companies in, in different parts of the industry. But some of the most exciting are those that are dealing with machine learning and optimization, predictive maintenance, these type of things. And it's amazing because I was just at a company last week and the, the CEO is 27 years old. He's already signing huge contracts wow. with, with major companies in the industry. And his shop is more when you go there, it's more like you're walking onto a Google campus or something, you know? <laughs> and so he's one of these young people that's uh, not only attracting young people into the business, not from an oil and gas background, right? Because right. they're doing a lot of tech stuff. Mm -hmm. But also, he looks outside the industry for people who are trained in completely different disciplines to come in and give their expertise to the industry. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I you think know, you're right. In yeah. the future. Yeah, I know you're right, Jim. Every major oil company I know has an office now in Silicon Valley. Right? They all know yep. that those that future talents could come from somewhere, and it's not going to come internally. Yeah, just a real quick plug. I was I was over at the Weir booth watching one of their presentations, and one of their key engineers who was involved in this presentation knows nothing about the oil and gas industry. She came over from Intel. Yeah. Yeah. That tells a and whole story in itself. Yeah. Pulling from the other side. Yeah. yeah. So, Jake, when you start thinking about leadership, right, you're in that startup world. How important it is to a new company, to a new startup, to make sure they have a good leader? <laughs> so you're... Yeah, you're going to have to say that letter. Why are you this close when we have all this money in the microphone? So you're in the startup world, right? How important it is for a startup entering oil and gas to make sure that they have the right leadership in place? Very important. 
as opposed as so important. You're gonna that you have make, to. You're gonna have go to elaborate. Tick tock, tick tock, nothing. So I can answer a question for you. I've actually have a, a lot of uh, interactions with, <laughs> with oil and gas startups, and the number one thing that determines whether they're successful, where they go belly up, is if they can find good leadership, and they all know that. We have a uh, James Gordy out here somewhere. Right? Is it the Rice Alliance? The Rice Alliance, yeah, working for a startup called Realware, and they have a very good leadership team in place, only because the. Um, the venture capital group knew that without the right leadership team in place, they weren't going to be successful in this industry. So it shows you, I mean, it literally can make or break the business. So nobody else out there, they're all ignoring this page. <laughs> well, what's actually funny is out in the audience is uh, somebody that's taught me a whole lot, when I, especially when I worked in regulatory compliance, which got me into the oil and gas industry. She, she was there and gave me everything I needed in order to actually understand the industry because it's it's so black and white and I love structure so she really led me to where I needed to be and and even though it didn't work out for me she's headed to big places yeah so so actually bring up a good point so when this show launches, you're gonna have at least five other shows all launch at the same time. Oh yeah. You've already you've already interviewed some senior people in this industry. And I actually have a good one coming up. Yeah, and you have several more coming up. So, with the interviews you've done so far, do you see a common theme? Do you see something that, regardless of age or where the country that you came from, you know, is there certain things that leaders in this industry have in common? They never give up. They never give up. They yeah. work hard and they never give up. Yeah. I can see that. Everybody I know that's, that's in that place has that mindset. Yeah. If you're just walking by and you're wondering what's going on here, it's not just me and Paige talking to herself. We're recording episode number five of the Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast. Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast is going to be on the Oil & Gas Global Network, the number one oil and gas new media network in the world. And so we're actually talking to people about leadership. You know, what do you think of leadership? What do you see that's changing in the future? Come on in. So here's a good question for you, for you, yeah. So you're from, you're not from the U.S., right? You've come here and you started a business in oil and gas in the U.S., and our whole conversation today is about leadership. In your company, how important is it to have the right leadership people in place? Uh, basically, how to drive it. Without leadership, you cannot drive correctly, right? Right. We had the new field, new country. New market, so there is several aspects that you need to consider when you start a new company here from the greenfield. Having good support, right people to drive you, make everything easier, right? So basically, I think without a good drive, a good leadership, you cannot move forward. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Leadership is the guy driving the car. And without exactly. having somebody drive the car, you'll never get anywhere. That's it. So the other part of that is how do we build future leadership talent? So we've talked a little bit before you walked on the floor about mentoring and coaching these young people, right? Do you think that's important? Mentoring is the most important part. I agree with you. Yeah, and uh, not under mentoring, but inspiring. Inspiring leadership, mentoring leadership is very important. Yeah, and so the, the thing that's happening right now is our industry as a whole has a shortage of talent, and it's going to continue to happen. And as an industry, if we can't attract new people to our industry, we're going to be in a bad place. We're literally not going to have enough people to work here. Um, one of the things that is always interesting from somebody that's outside the U.S., when you come to the U.S., 
do you find it kind of a hard to believe that there are young kids that just don't want to go work in oil and gas? That's correct. Yeah. Oil and gas is a very challenging market. When you don't have the completely skills or don't have the environment, uh, knowledge of the environment, the future, it'd be harder. So leadership must be identified and guide you the truth this barrier that respect. Then the opposite is also true, right? So if a U.S. company wanted to come to Brazil, if they did not have the right leadership team to help do business in Brazil, they would fail. Probably yes. We have, de- have seen that several times. Several times. So either way, you know, you need to say leadership means who knows, have knowledge, and can uh, transfer this knowledge for somewhere else. I agree. Thanks for, uh, thanks for stopping by. It is I- funny how I keep running to the same 100 people no matter where I am in the world. Well, I've just been informed. If you ask a question, you get a Caterpillar oil and gas t-shirt. Can I ask a question and get a Caterpillar oil and gas no. t-shirt? No. It's like you can't <laughs> sign up for the $200 gift card to Capitol Grill for a steak dinner. Yeah, speaking of that, pay attention to Paige's show. She has given away $200 steak dinners each and every week. All you have to do is go enter and give your information. Okay. And Patrick, we have somebody on. Yeah, we do. We've got uh, Brian here. Brian, who are you with? I'm with G2IT. Hey, Brian. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, you want to have a comment on stuff we were talking about leadership? Uh, I actually, I apologize. I wasn't listening to much to it. So if you want to ask me a question, I think question, he just I'd wants a T-shirt. Answer. Is no that one is listening. They're so. just talking to themselves up there. You promised me a T-shirt, so. <laughs> yeah, so what is the name of your company? G2IT. Uh, we're, we're actually, we work with Caterpillar. We do gas processing for natural gas engines. So we work a lot with Cat and Caterpillar dealers. Okay. So in your company, how important is it to have the right leadership in place? Oh, it's incredibly important, obviously. You know, in, in, in today's industry and trying to navigate the last two years of, of this downturn that we've had and the slowdown in prices, I mean, leader, leadership is obviously the, the critical thing to try to make sure that the company survives. Uh, we, we were very fortunate we were able to survive the downturn, didn't lay anyone off, didn't have to cut anyone's wages. So we feel really good about that. And I guess it's a, it's, it's a testimony, not to me, but to our leadership team and our, you know, and our ability to, uh, to manage through the downturn. So leadership's key. It's key for the, you know, really to, to maintain the vision of the company, maintain the, the, the goals. And, and most importantly is, is you know, to survive and, and thrive in today's industry, which oil is going to be $50 a barrel, it's going to be 70 it's going to be 30 I don't know. Yeah. Right. What about future leadership? So one of the things that's going to be a struggle for this industry as a whole is that we don't have a, 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 enough future leaders coming in. You know, so that lies into, so how does your company deal with that, making sure you have that pipeline of future leadership? You know, we, from, from the early days, and we're not a very old company anyway, we've, we've always strived to try to hire interns. We try to bring kids on and get them involved and passionate about what we do at, at G2IT very early. So we've been very fortunate. We've had, we've had a couple of interns. Our last intern we actually hired, he's coming on board when he graduates college this year. So we'd like to try to build that passion early. I think one of the, the worst things, I've been in the oil industry now for 20, 23 years, 24 years now. One of the worst things that we do in the oil industry is we build up, you know, kids get into the programs, they get into petroleum engineering, they get into geology, and then when the, when the market turns, nobody's getting jobs, their jobs are pulled, and so we have this horrible cycle, and then no one goes in, and so there's dead times. I graduated at a time in, in, uh, in mechanical and petroleum engineering mm-hmm. when there was no petroleum engineers coming out of school, and it was a great opportunity for me at the time. But the problem is we're too cyclical. We have to we have to be more consistent. And if you're if you if we can maintain that consistency, bring on those interns. The first thing that gets cut in programs when you're hiring and when you're looking at cuts is internship programs. Keep bringing the interns in, and, I, and that's what I recommend because we'll get the kids interested and we'll keep them in our business and we'll get them excited and passionate about the oil and gas business. Yeah, yeah, Great. we we all agree 100. percent Oh yeah. 
It's um, that's the internships are everything, and these bright these kids are bright and they're smart and they yeah. want to succeed and they bring new ways of thinking, new ideas to our industry. And for the first time ever, I think we're listening, right? So I also got my start in the, in the eighties, right, yeah. in oil and gas. And at that time, nobody listened to an intern, right? Yeah. You were given some papers to file. Now I'm watching companies like uh, Shell and Chevron actually have internship programs, and they give them a problem. They go, here's a problem we have not been able to solve in 75 years. I want you to look at it in a different way. And I just think it's a wonderful thing. And it's a fantastic way to get engagement with those kids. You give them a real problem, and they see their solution getting applied. I mean, the, the responsibility is is awesome that they're getting, and, and, and it just gets them engaged in our business. That's what we have to do is build passion in our industry, and that's something that we've been missing for a while. Yeah, I agree, and I think we're starting to do it. I'm seeing more and more. So Shell has this uh, Ideas 360 program where they invite college kids from all over the world to compete around these problems, and then they make they get scholarship awards. And I was lucky enough to actually be one of the speakers uh, for that show. Oh, I watched I get, that. Yeah. 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 And so it's just, you know, our industry, I think, is finally getting it. So, you know, congratulations to you and your company for understanding how important that is. Want to back up a little bit, give your company a little bit of a plug. So your company works with Caterpillar or with other, with everybody as far as gas? We technically can work with any engine, but we're, we have special, we have a special arrangement with Caterpillar. We work very closely. We have a marketing agreement. And uh, so, so we work very closely with Caterpillar Oil and Gas and through Caterpillar Oil and Gas with the Caterpillar Dealer Network to, to, to provide, again, natural gas fuel conditioning for natural gas engines. So it's our job to try to, anytime that there's poor quality fuel, poor oh, quality mm, gas, whether it's I from, know exactly yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. So, so H2S so, or low methane number gas, we yeah. clean up that gas and make it usable in the engines. So you're, you're, running these, you're helping Cat run these gen sets off well gas. That's yep. correct. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, that is the coolest thing. It's, um, you know, it's been around for a while, but it's really taken off lately, and there's a right. bunch of problems. Um, H2S, Absolutely. The, the variable quality, the variable BTUs in the gas. Yeah. yeah good for y'all. That has to be exciting to do that, so and partner with Caterpillar. It is. So they're, they're a great company to work with, and we're glad that we can be here. We're glad that we can stay at their booth and, and get to talk to all the dealers. So they're, they're, they're a great team to work with. Yeah, so thanks for being on the show. Thank you. And I think you get a free T-shirt. Yeah, don't forget your T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, if you're out there, if uh, you ask a question, if you participate with us, you get this really cool, one-of-a-kind Caterpillar Oil & Gas T-shirt. So stop by, raise your hand. <laughs> we know you want a free T-shirt. Come on, everybody wants free T-shirts. Everybody else is walking out here at the koozie, you can actually get a free T-shirt. So Paige, we had some good insight about leadership from actually quite a few different people. One of the things that is, uh, is so important that a lot of people in our industry don't think ahead of is that our industry is fundamentally changing. We're having new technologies and new processes come in that, quite frankly, we don't have the domain expertise around. So, yeah, we don't. Yeah, so we talked earlier about uh, big data, big data analytics, cognitive, machine learning, Internet of Things. That's not stuff that native as an industry we have, we have knowledge around. So, right. Yeah, so we're going to have to bring in new people from outside the industry, but we're going to have to introduce them to oil and gas. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge, especially since I, I really don't think our industry is ready for that because everybody's let go and laid off, and, and, and I think it's almost going to be a crisis. Yeah, if, uh, as, as the price of oil comes back, you know, we predicted that we're going to have inflation in the service industry at the end of this year, right? There's not right. enough people and parts and pumps to go around. And you're right, what's the, what we traditionally do is get to a, a bidding war, where I start paying more for talent than your, my competitor, and then they pay more than me, and then you end up having somebody that should make 80000 a year, making $150,000 a year, so he's the first one to be laid off. We, uh, we have three people that sat down that either just want to text and have a place to sit and rest their feet, or you happily join us. How you doing? Questions yeah. about leadership? Any comments about leadership? So, is okay. this your is this y'all's first OTC? Welcome, welcome to welcome. Houston. What part of the industry y'all work in? Oil and gas. 
but drilling, drilling. So upstream, yeah. Upstream. The oil gas is that too big? In that upstream world, especially the drillers, they think that's the entire industry. It's really not. There's like other parts of it. And this is this is a good place to learn about all the different places, right? It's um, first show. Enjoy yourself. Make sure you spend time walking everywhere. It's, um, it's way more to see than you can possibly imagine. Way, I hope you have learn. comfortable shoes. <laughs> Lesson learned, right? <laughs> Anybody else? Hey, we got somebody wants a free T-shirt. Down, I think. Okay, so for leadership, I can just tell you I'm from. Um, What's your name? I'm operator Heather Dolphin. And who are you with? Range Resources. And so for, from an operator standpoint, my company, I'm in management, and they make sure to consistently train me all the time on, we have to go to all these, uh, I call it therapy, but I don't think that's what it is. It's our personality <laughs> profiles. So we constantly have to um, have surveys taken from all of the employees around us, and they'll come back as us, and they'll let us know what type of personality types we are. Like, are you are you a driving personality type, or or are you somebody who somebody needs to have a conversation with for, for five minutes, and then they feel comfortable and they'll start doing their work better, you know, whatever else, right? So I've learned just recently with the new company because they acquired us that a big part of leadership is getting to understand other people's personalities. Communication. Big communication. And um, the other thing is just cross-training people. And so I think large companies like the the VPs and the shells or whatnot, you'll have employees come in from there and you'll say, oh, hey, great. You work. What I do is permitting. You work in regulatory. What can you do? And they're like, I know how to do one thing. And you're like, well, you're going to have to know how to do everything to do this aspect of the job, right? So I've made sure with my people to constantly change what they're doing. Like you're not just going to file a drilling permit or you're not just going to file production. You're going to learn every single aspect of this so that when you do get laid off, which I've seen happen to so many people around me, you can walk into any other job and you can say, I know every aspect of it. And, and I mean, I think it's helpful not to just be so squared in on that one little thing. So you're preparing your employees for the future. You're actually talking about a couple things that are really important. Mm -hmm. Number one is communication, right? My generation communicates differently than your generation, right? Absolutely. And and we need to understand how to bridge those gaps. Yes. Um, Second thing you're talking about is that you're continuously challenging your employees, Mm -hmm. right? You're giving them new roles, new responsibilities, so they're continuously learning new stuff. Yeah. One of the things about this younger generation that's coming into oil and gas is it's not about a job. Right? They want to feel personally satisfied. They want to feel yes. like they're contributing. Right? Mm-hmm. They want to understand what their future, they want a clear career path. They want clear and concise communications with their management. Mm-hmm. All the stuff that my generation didn't want. So right. my generation never wanted to hear from our manager. If we heard from a manager, it automatically could not be good. The younger generation wants that feedback, wants to know if yes. they're doing a good job. And you know, the senior people in this industry need to take it upon themselves to learn how to, to um, communicate with the younger generation. Because quite frankly, we have no choice. Right, right. You are our future, and yes. you will soon be in very senior leadership positions in our industry. Are you calling so, me younger? Um, yeah, <laughs> younger than I am. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's one of those things that, once again, for most of my 20 years in this industry, it was always our way or the highway. You learn how to work within the organization or you didn't fit. And now what organizations are having to learn, especially if they want to cultivate that good talent, is that the, the organization has to be flexible itself. 
Yeah, no, I agree. We we have to learn that this is what I'm being trained is that that we have to change the way that we approach the people that we work with. Yeah. So if I mean, and that's what I'm saying. There, you know, I'm not the type of person that wants to come in and talk to you about how was your day or your weekend or whatever. I want to get to work. But I've been told, hey, if you want this person to perform for you, you need to stop and ask them about their dog and, you know, what they had for breakfast. And then you're going to get 90 percent more productivity out of them because you made them feel comfortable. And, and in they their feel like they're contributing, day. right? Right. And yeah. that younger generation does not have the iron wall that I grew up with where you had work and you had personal time. It's mixed. And a lot of that's because of technology. And as an industry, we need to learn how to work in that world, just like you're talking mm-hmm. about right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Which that's is very true. hard for me. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Give this girl a T-shirt. Heather actually brought up a really good point in that communication itself is inherently different between the older generation and the younger generations. So let me ask you this, Paige. If I wanted to get some information to you, would you rather me call you on the telephone or text it to you? It depends what I need it for. (laughs) Yeah. Probably text it to me. Text it to you. But, you know, my generation never thinks of that, right? We just want to pick up the phone and call you. And there's a fundamental change that needs to happen in communication when you're starting to work with younger people. That's true. Yeah, and then, true. Jake, how successful have you been getting me on Slack? Oh, not, not successful at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and y'all use Slack religiously, right? I'm on like seven Slack channels. Yeah. yeah. Simultaneously. Yeah. I don't see value in it. I'd rather you email me stuff. Now, I can articulate why Slack is better, right, where you have everything in one place. Um, I have no desire to touch it. Once again, if you're a younger person coming to the oil and gas industry realize that there's differences in how we want to obtain information. So if you have an older manager, he may just want you to email stuff, right? He, or he may want you to call him. You have to be able to make that adapt, adaptation. At the same time, senior management needs to realize that the way they communicate with their younger uh, people may be totally different. The, what we're doing right now, the fact that this is a podcast, this is going to be an on-demand piece of media that people will consume from their smartphones is a fundamental change in our industry. Forever, most of our industry consumed news and media and print, a magazine, newspaper, whatever. That's going away. The oh, young yeah. people that are coming in do not read the magazines. They don't want newspaper. They want to consume their media when they want to, on demand, here, like this podcast. Which, if you're in the audience, makes no sense because you're listening to us live, but this, yeah. this is being recorded <laughs> and we'll play it later. Don't like, worry, I'll edit a bunch of this out. I like the industry magazines. <laughs> they, they give them away for free. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they used to not give them away for free. I think you also have to understand how this generation actually communicates. Look at all the new applications out there. Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, all of that, right? And it's a constant change in mix. Yeah. It's, um, I've tried to use Snapchat three or four times. I just don't get it. And I'm a pretty tech guy for 52 I years old. I can't tell you how many times my daughters try to teach me to use it. Yeah, yeah Mark, I got a question. I was uh, talking with a young guy. He didn't want to get on the microphone. Uh, you mentioned mentorship. You were just in a, a write-up with RigZone. So... How does the younger generation identify the informal mentors that are out there? If my company doesn't have a mentorship program, how do I find somebody? So thank you for actually reading the Rig Zone article, because that's a question <laughs> exact right out of the article. Uh, which, but actually, it's a good question. So what happens is a lot of young people are afraid to ask the question. Um, and all they need to do is find some of their mid-level, some of their kind of senior level, and say, hey, who in, in this company mentors people, whether it's official or unofficial, and everybody in this industry knows somebody that likes to mentor people. Actually, usually, it, it may even be them. And that's how you start that informal mentorship program. Another thing you can do, and we talked about this, is the Houston chapter of the API, the American Petroleum Institute, has a young professionals organization. Well, I'm on that a, board. You're on that board. Yep. So um, am I. 
So that's true, yeah. And they have an official... I know people on that board. <laughs> <laughs> There's two of us, actually. And they have an official mentoring program. So the young people in the industry can reach out. It costs $25 a year. And if you're a project manager or sales guy or an engineer, they'll match you up with a senior person that has that type of experience. And y'all just hang out once a month, right? Have lunch or coffee or, or whatever. And you start that unofficial mentoring program, which is so valuable. So I've got a follow-up question. What if my company does have an official mentor t- mentorship program? but I get stuck with a dud. Somebody that has no interest in mentoring me, was just assigned to it. How do I respectfully get out of that relationship and find somebody that's going to help me with my career? Yeah, that's be, a... St- I would just be straightforward. You, you know, and just say, I don't think this is thank you, but no thank you. Yeah, this is not a good fit for me. Yeah. I maybe wouldn't say he's a dud. Yeah, definitely don't use that. Especially if he has SVP in front of his business card. <laughs> but you say it's not a good fit. Hi. I've got a question here. What's your name? Hey, I'm Vesh here. I just have one question for you. How do you hire me? What do I do so that you hire me? <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? So I just finished. I'm a recent graduate from the University of Pennsylvania. I have a master's in mechanical engineering. Uh-huh. And I'm looking into the oil and gas industry, especially the midstream and the upstream. So let me tell you what I think you should do. Okay. Now, I do not have a crystal ball, right? Um, Disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a subset of engineering in this industry. It's very, very specific. And it's called subsea engineering. You cannot go to school become a subsea engineer. What happens is the subsea manufacturers, the FMCs, the Camerons, the GE oil and gases, the Ackers, they hire mechanical engineers, and they train them to be subsea engineers. And it takes a long time, eight years, ten years, before you're a subsea engineer, right? Now, you're being paid this whole time. Um, but it's a very specialized field that, unfortunately, this low crude price has decimated. So it, it's not that the subsea manufacturers had to lay off their worst subsea engineers. They had to lay off some of their best subsea engineers, right? Literally, they weren't cutting fat. They had to figure out which arm or leg to cut off. But it's going to come back. And when it comes back, there's going to be a huge, I mean, a huge shortage of mechanical engineers wanting to go to subsea, become subsea engineers. If I was you, I'd reach out to the subsea companies. See if they have, because I know you're graduating, but see if they have an internship program, which they, I know they all do. And if, in this low crude price environment, if you can get your foot in the door as an intern and have a paid internship for a year, I promise you by 2018, they're going to start training and hiring subsidy engineers, and you'll be ahead of everybody else. Now, with that said, think about what I said, that when this downturn, they got rid of a bunch of subsidy engineers. And because that engineering discipline is so specialized, you're not going to go work for a refinery or a pipeline company as a subsea engineer. So as a subsea engineer, you have to understand that this business is cyclic and you got to protect yourself. One of the best things you can do as an engineer is go learn big data. Take some classes in big data analytics. Now, when you're a subsea engineer, but you're able to combine that with big data analytics, which is coming, you're now invaluable to the company and you will not be laid off. Does that make sense? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, when we're finished this, um, come grab me. Are you listening to the podcast? Any of the podcasts? No, I haven't. Yeah. So you ought to Google um, Oil & Gas Global Network. Okay. OGGN. We have Oil & Gas. Right to, take you right to the site. Yeah. So we have Oil & Gas This Week, which is me and Jake's podcast. It's the number one podcast in the oil and gas industry. Not for long. We have Oil & Gas HSE, which is me and Patrick. Okay. We have Oil & Gas Industry Leaders, which is Pages, and we have about eight more podcasts coming. Oh, yeah. Our contact information is on the websites. Uh-huh. So hit me up on Twitter. Hit my LinkedIn. Remind me that I talked to you at Actually, OTC. I have a card. Have a card? Yeah. I get that. Yeah, if we could help you, we'd be happy to help you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're Thank welcome. Thank you. Now, please do not go tell 500 of your friends that we said we'd help you. To keep, it, <laughs> keep it between you and me and the 
14,000 people are here I'll in edit DC. this out, too. You'll edit this out, too. <laughs> All right, so we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to Caterpillar thank for letting us oil launch at their booth. Caterpillar Oil and oil, Gas. Oil and Gas. Yeah. Caterpillar Oil and Gas. Caterpillar Oil and Gas. Well, that concludes this episode, so just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.